Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 173 of the Fun With Cars Formula One podcast. It's March. It's almost time. I'm excited, and I'm Robin Warner. And I am Jim Lau, and I'm also excited. And we have just a week until the race in Australia, and that is super exciting. It's Six days until they're on track, for real. Right. It seemed like a really long ways away, and then we've been very busy and everything in the off season, and all of a sudden, it's, it's creeping up at us. So we finally, we have time. We're making a podcast, and uh, actually, we have an update from our photographer and pit lane reporter friend, Jamie Price, um, from testing. He was in Barcelona snapping photos of the cars, as you'll hear, and uh, and sent us this uh, lovely little update, so let's pass it to Jamie. It's so good. Good morning, Fun With Cars. It is Jamie Price reporting from Trackside in Barcelona. Uh, it's a beautiful day on this Thursday morning of the second test. Um, I think we're in a red flag right now. Um, but I thought I would call in and uh, give some of my thoughts and opinions about the cars and the season and drivers and who I think is there and who I think is not. Um, And I guess I'll start with the world champions. Um, They obviously are favorites. The car looks good. It has been reliable um, other than uh, Nico. And Nico's back or neck problems last test and Lewis's bowel movement problems. (laughs) Everything seems to have been going pretty well for the world champions. Um, So I would put them to be favored again this year, but I think most surprisingly and probably closest behind Mercedes is Ferrari. Um, I'm as shocked as everyone else is. The car just looks so good out on track. I have not seen it in a corner or position yet where it really looks like it's struggling for grip or power. Um, It's just planted all the way around. Um... Yeah, big big surprise there, and I just based on the way that the team has been kind of handling themselves and handling Sebastian and Kimi, they're they're hiding their pace. I don't think that they've let the car loose yet. I don't think Mercedes has either. I don't think anybody has, but I honestly think that Ferrari could be in it for a couple race wins, and who knows what else after that. Um, looks like here comes another car. Um, the other, you know, good thing to see back is Red Bull. Red Bull really looks like they're, they've put some work into the car. Um, but beyond the car itself, I think the, the camo livery they're running is amazing. I am a big fan. Congratulations, Mr. Newey and marketing team at Red Bull Racing, because that thing is stunning from every angle. Um, I love taking pictures of it. Uh, who else? Williams. Williams looks really good. Um, so far, I haven't really been unimpressed with them once either. Um, as a Toro Rosso comes by me, Carlos Sainz. It should be a really, really good year, actually. Williams, um, Williams spent one of almost an entire day last week doing pit stop practice and doing all kinds of pit stops. They did every variation of a pit stop you could think of. They, you know, they had the car come in, had, you know, a, a jack malfunction, had to switch a nose out and do all this other stuff. They had the car pull out and then pretend to stall and then be rolled back into the pits, refired again, and then, um, you know, go back out on track. They spent the entire day doing pit stops. And if you only do that, if you're confident about the car, and I think they're confident about the car. Um, 
and Lotus. Lotus is actually a lot closer to the pace than people give them credit for, or you might think. I think that the the car is really on pace, honestly, and from what I've heard from the drivers, because we get to work with the, the Lotus team a little bit, um, they, they're they really happy. You, they say, go here, and it'll go there. They're not fighting it like they were in the last couple of years, where they, you know, you point it in a direction, you just don't know way, which way it's going to go. So I think it's I think it's really positive. I think it's really positive that these cars are not only do they look good, they don't have the the penis noses like they did last year. Um, it, I think they all look good. The Mercedes especially could be a, an absolute classic. Carlos Sainz Jr. going by again. Um, the Lotus is coming up here. Gonna take a few shots of it. Um, so I genuinely think that this year is going to be a lot closer than than last year for sure. It's not going to be a Red Bull or a Mercedes or a Ferrari walk away. Um, it's going to be it's going to be a really good year. And I, and, oh, the, uh, the other one that we haven't talked about is the McLaren Honda. So it actually sounds amazing when it runs. It is, has more volume. It has a different pitch to the other cars. Um, I'm a big fan of, of what they've done. The problem with it is, is the, the engine package just isn't reliable yet. They've done a handful of laps at best, and then obviously Alonzo had his testing mishap that put him in the hospital for three days, and I could go on about that for another hour. We're not being told something. There's something very strange about that. A double world champion and arguably the best driver on the grid does not make a mistake around turn three, which I, I, the only time I've ever seen a car go off there is Heike Kovalainen, and that was, what, 2008, and he ended up in the barriers and had some kind of brake failure or a suspension failure that he lost control of the car. Alonso had no problems with the car until he hit the wall, and it just, that driver doesn't doesn't make those kind of mistakes at that corner. And not only that, but he was going slowly when he hit the wall. I think he was going 150 kilometers an hour, which would be something like... Uh, 90 miles an hour, which around that turn is, you know, I think they're probably on a normal pace lap, 120 or 130. He wasn't going fast. We're just not being told something. And having had concussions in the past and having had a lot of friends have concussions in the past, um, I kind of polled some of my Facebook friends and none of us have ever been kept for more than a couple hours in the hospital and the only time that you would have somebody kept in the hospital for that amount of time is if you were unconscious for a considerable amount of time. And McLaren have lied to us and said that that he was he never lost consciousness, which he absolutely did, confirmed by doctors and people that were standing at that corner when it happened. He, they were tapping him on the helmet, and there was no response for something like ten minutes. 
So um, just all very strange. He's not running this test. Uh, Jensen Button and Kevin Magnuson have testing duties today, tomorrow, um, Saturday, and Sunday, and then hopefully Alonzo will be fit for Melbourne. But, you know, beyond the engine package, I, I actually think the car is, is going to be competitive once it, once it actually, you know, turns some laps and hopefully gets running in the races. The problem for, for them is going to be being consistent enough to run in the races. Um, so, you know, that's, those are some of my thoughts. I, I, I'm really pumped to be here. It's been a great couple weeks. The weather's been stunning. I had a great couple days off in Barcelona. Um, you know, they're, they're not the amazing sounding V8s. I'm not used to it yet, but it's certainly, uh, certainly, you know, an improvement on last year, whereas last year there was nothing positive. We had one team dominating and the cars sounded bad and weren't very loud. Ah, here comes the McLaren Honda. So I will shut up and let you listen to it as it goes by. Um, and you can get a sense of what the car sounds like. goes um it's out on track with jensen button for the second time this morning but uh again and followed by a red bull here the camel bull i love it i love that car they're they're truly beautiful cars this year i think fans are in for a a visual treat um audible you all know what they sound like now most of you and you know you can have your own opinions as i have mine um, but at least this year, the cars look great. The racing is going to be close. The, especially on heavy fuel, there's a lot of sparks coming up from under these cars. It's pretty exciting. It's not quite like 1990 or the 80s, um, but it's, it's a lot better than it was. And, and I think we have some exciting driver talent, too. It's, and, and, of course, having you know, Marusha slash Manor back on the grid, it does add and it is noticeably... Uh, a little quieter out here with without those two backmarker teams, and you know while they don't add a ton to the racing action, they do add a lot to the overall ambiance of the racetrack. When you have you know when you're short a couple cars, you notice it, especially with photography. And when we're standing trackside, there's days where where you're waiting for cars to come out, and and it's just been really short of cars. So you know hopefully. With Haas F1 coming into the sport next year and Manor back in this year, um, it it could be really good. And there's rumors that Renault is going to buy a team um, and stop being a an, just an engine supplier and go back to being a full-on manufacturer again, which is great news for them um, and for us. So with that, uh, I am going to get back to work. Um, thanks for having me, Robin. And uh, Jim, hope all is well, and I will talk to you all soon. Um, And one more thing, I'm going to give you my championship predictions. Uh, I'm going to say Sebastian Vettel in the Ferrari for driver champion. I know, shock. Uh, Mercedes for constructors.
I'm going to say that Mercedes, Ferrari, Red Bull, Williams, and Lotus will all win a race this year. I know, these are strange times in Formula One. But anyway, thanks guys, and I'll talk to you soon. Strange times, I'm not so sure. Golden era, a yet a new golden era coming in. This is the modern, hybridized golden era. First of all, I quite like the sounds you were picking up, Jamie. Just you were what six inches from the cars? That was fantastic. Right. I, so at first, I was gonna, I was considering like uh, editing that clip a little bit to just pull out some of the little pauses and stuff. And I'm like, no, there's all these great sounding F1 cars. I mean, okay sounding F1 cars at least. And uh, <laughs> and you know, and, and just you know, when he's snapping pictures and all that, I feel like you know that's all part of the experience. That's that's great. It's just like we're being there. So thank you very much, Jamie, for sending that in. And uh, that actually acts as a good sort of table of contents for oh, the rest of what there is to talk about. It's a brilliant summary of everything. Thing that's that's leading up to the first race in Australia, and for me personally, McLaren Honda is kind of dominating the headlines, um, which means I don't know. Maybe we should talk about them later. But we've got what's going on with Alonso. We've got Honda getting back into it, um, and all those things. Well, so one of the more exciting things. Start with some good news. Yes, um, and this has happened obviously since uh, Jamie recorded that uh, bit for us. Is that uh, Manor, formerly the Marussia team, Manor Grand Prix, or exactly whatever they're supposed to be called? Um, they have said they've passed all their crash tests and they will be on the grid in Australia. So we will, which gets us back to ten teams. Right, exactly. So that is exciting. Um, of course, it remains to be seen if you know. I really hope they get it and they can qualify within one hundred seven percent and not just you know fly all that way and spend all this money and then not not make it or whatever. Um, but it does seem like it's coming together. They've signed Will Stevens as one driver, of course, a uh, driver with just one uh, race under his belt uh, for Caterham and Abu Dhabi. Right. Um, but uh, and we don't know who the second driver is. You know, probably it'll be, have to be someone who brings some money along to that operation. But it's, it is nice to have, you know, get back to 10 teams. Um, Caterham has not made it back. I think that, I don't know if all the formal deadlines have passed, but we would know by now, I think, if Caterham were coming back. And they're not. So, um, you know, Caterham is gone, but Manor appears to be back. And, you know, we had written them off along with just about everyone else uh, it, late it, last year after their, you know, factory and stuff was auctioned off and all that. Yeah. I mean, it, it was quite dire. And we had also essentially written off Caterham to not come back to Abu Dhabi at the end of last season. And they pulled that off with crowdsourced funding, which, you know, was a bit eh, in terms of was that really a nice, viable appropriate way to get funding long term but they were back and surprised us and now marusha uh, or manor has surprised us and really between the two teams they're the ones that i want to see back more and what i would love to see and uh i don't want to bring up bad news again but i would love to see um something where jules bianchi can not necessarily be in the car, but he can make an appearance at a Formula One event as a guest of manners or something like that. That would be fantastic. Sure. So it's, you know, we don't know a whole lot more about that. Uh, you know, it's, apparently they're going to be running a slightly modified 2014 car for the beginning of the season. Well, and then... what it is, it's a, it's a 2014 car modified to meet 2015 regulations because there were updates to the nose and right. different uh, small safety Right. Advances, those but type obviously with the company being bankrupt for most of the offseason and only just now coming back together, they haven't had all the development time and money in the world. So it'll be a while before their quote-unquote real 2015 car comes out. So probably... Well, I mean, it, if do you think they'll actually have a 2015 car? Well, they say they do. So it depends a little bit. I guess we'll see how things go for them, right, in the first couple you, of races. But. How do you record audio of eyes rolling? 
I, I just, <laughs> I don't know if that's loud enough. Maybe we need better microphones. Well, so, I mean, so a lot of people are saying, okay, well, this is going to be, you know, they're going to be there, but it's just backmarkers and who cares? And some people are saying, oh, well, they're going to be so slow and so off the pace. But I think, I think it's cool to see the small teams, you know, holding on and doing everything they can and finding backers and making it work. I thought, uh, I agree with you that the Caterham crowdfunding thing seemed like more of a stunt than an actual way of, uh, you know, making things happen and certainly a sustainable thing because it's not sustainable because they're gone now. Right. It was but, not sustained. Yeah. Right. Well put. Uh, but uh, so, you know, I, maybe if given the opportunity we could buy you know a manor gp hat or a poster or something and give them another couple bucks their way you know Ooh. and just support the team as you know buy a manor gp shirt or something so then we'd have a hat right right and that's what you've always wanted is a hat i'm i don't know how so many people have them and i don't right it's amazing but you know i, I so i'm i am genuinely excited to see you know even if it's back markers or whatever excited to see you know more teams rather than fewer i think is a good thing and uh and Ten that's is a positive the, update 10 is the right minimum number i i Nine teams, 18 cars, that's where everything starts to feel off. Once you get to 10 teams, 20 cars, that's that's just a good baseline. I don't know if because we're base 10 because of 10 fingers and two times that is what's good. I don't know. All I know is I was getting nervous about nine teams. 10 teams makes me feel way more comfortable. And the an honest, another part about it that is comfortable, uh, comforting for me is that they had the interest to get back as badly as they did. And they also were able to find the resources. So they were able to find money to get into Formula One. So it's just a nice, hey, all is not lost. Take a breath. Relax a little uh, moment for Formula One. I still think, I don't know, is is that just, it, it was getting a little bit nervous for me to see us down to nine teams and things were being a little bit more tentative. Right. And we're we're drifting away from that. We're getting just a little bit off the edge. Just a little bit. But I think there have been some stories like Force India, uh, who did, you know, was able eventually to run their car in preseason testing. But right, for a while but they was not. made us nervous. Yeah. Um, you know, they apparently have gotten a, an advance on some prize money from the FIA and stuff. So it's 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 not, we're not away from the ledge yet, <laughs> I think. Uh, yeah. So it's good that we're, it's, this is a, a good step. And, of course, you know, uh, we haven't, you know, the, the lights haven't gone out in Melbourne yet. So we haven't actually seen uh, that... Uh, everything happens happily for Manor. Uh, hopefully by the time, you know, people hear this and a couple of days have gone by, you know, we'll be seeing the tweets and updates and stuff and photos of, hey, everybody's setting up in Australia. Things are going okay. You know, everything's coming together. Um, but, you know, it, it all, it all you know, looks positive and it seems like, you know, they've passed the crash test and all that uh, and, uh, you know, should have a car and hopefully two drivers and can, you know, uh, get that thing around the track in a reasonable time. So I'm hopeful about that. And I think that is a, a bit of good news. And uh, we had, um, you know, some of these news bits, we had several people uh, sharing these things to our Facebook page. So um, rather than going through all of them, we do uh, appreciate people bringing this stuff to our attention and um, and, and sharing that stuff with us and, and, of course, commenting on it there as well. Um, but another, a lot of comments, uh, the, probably the next biggest thing, um, has been Alonzo's crash in testing in the McLaren Honda. Um, yeah. So partly, McLaren-Honda had a rocky start, obviously. Um, they had several reliability issues and, and, you know, test days where they got a lap in and that was it. And uh, and had, you know, different different failures, you know, a seal failure at one point and just little things, uh, which makes sense for a brand new powertrain. But it's, it's a shame that, you know, with the, you know, I guess uh, companies as, as resourceful as McLaren and Honda that they could, um, you know, couldn't, you know, get more stuff done on that and, and get farther along. But uh, by the end of the test, they were running some laps and, and getting some data and all that. And then Alonzo had what has been described as a strange crash. Uh, you heard Jamie's take on it there. Um, and, and there's been a couple of, of articles basically saying there's just, 
you know, there's, there's something going on we don't know. Um, and, you know, people have looked at the data. It's, it's not been public or anything, but uh, looked at his data from one lap to the next. And all, all of the driver inputs seemed really normal. And even apparently there was some interview with Jensen about the data. He says, oh, yeah, it all seemed like he was doing normal stuff. And, um, and yet there was this crash. So there's this question of, is it the car failure that McLaren doesn't want to admit? Although, I don't know why they wouldn't. You know, is there... The, the, a car failure that McLaren doesn't want to admit sounds quite odd when one of your driver in fact your extremely popular uh top driver is in the hospital and not running the opening race right your star uh, you know talent that you just brought over from ferrari and you know that was and like i'm sure you paid story. a lot of money i'm sure you paid a lot of money for that or haunted it or something yeah you don't want to do that so no none of that makes sense and i think it was interesting going back to what Jamie said in Barcelona. It's like something something isn't adding up here. Right. So since – and that was, you know, what, a week and a half ago now or something. Um, so since that's all gone down, there's been uh, several theories bandied about. Some saying oh, – Ooh, I love theories. Yep. Were, there, were there hypotheses? There are some hypotheses like maybe, okay, if, if Alonso said he wanted to go someplace where he could win championships. Ooh, how about a hunch? <laughs> all right. <laughs> there's, there's enough hunches being bandied. And you don't get many other things bandied about. I but, just, I hey. just a bandied hunch is about top. That's as high as you can go. Okay, um, that maybe okay if if he's except uh, for speculating. Okay, are you done? Probably not. May I continue? <laughs> no, I'll probably interrupt again. Okay, um, now I forgot what I was going to say. No, just I guess if he's if he's disappointed with how the car is looking after leaving Ferrari, and then Ferrari gets way better, and then. Uh, um, it's it's almost the uh, the Pastor Maldonado. Like, he leaves Williams when the Williams looks terrible and goes to Lotus, and all of a sudden the Lotus sucks, and he's like, what? I thought I was making a good move. If it's anything like that, and Alonzo's like, you know what? I am, I, I've done well enough in my career. I don't need to mess with this nonsense, and he just wants to get out of the contract or something. Um, I, I don't know. It's it's early days for that. Um, uh, but it, it has been announced that Alonzo will not be driving in Melbourne. Uh, it'll be Kevin Magnuson instead, uh, which is, uh, you know, a, a good break for, for Kevin, uh, if nothing else. Kevin's to, uh, best result in Formula One was in Australia. Right. And so if he outperforms Jensen, it'll be a little bit, uh, a little bit of tension there. I mean, okay, it's, okay. As it's one race. It's one race. You can't, you can't do that. And the fact that I'm a Jensen Button fan makes that even easier for me to say. But... You're right. You're absolutely right. It's look, Jensen and Magnuson were not a bad pairing. And Alonzo has a checkered past with McLaren. And this, let's be honest, is putting putting that relationship off onto a rocky start again. The fact that he's not going to be in Australia, uh it it just it is unsettling. Yeah, well, hopefully, um, you know, in the next maybe a press release after the after the Australian Grand Prix or something, maybe we'll just get a oh hey here's what happened. There's some theories that there was an electrical problem on the car that sort of shocked him um, and sort of stunned Alonso or something like that. I think that has been you know the medical uh, examiners and stuff have said oh no there's no evidence of that. Um, but if it was something weird with the car, something weird with the driver, if there's something more than just a, a you know a minor concussion going on, um, hopefully we find out. Um, you know, Alonso does seem to be okay, it's, and he's just you know as according to the Official reports, anyway, just following doctor's orders, basically, to take it easy for a while. And driving a Formula One car is not taking it easy. So hopefully, you know, after Australia, they say, oh, yeah, he's going to be fine for the next races. Everything's okay. Here's what actually happened, and we'll move on. And until we have otherwise, it's I guess, uh, can be uh, interesting to speculate, but uh, not always necessarily helpful. I'll, I'm going to add some speculation of my own. Oh, there it is. What if – because Alonzo proved to be a brilliant – if not 
well, brilliant and I'll say cunning marketing man. I was going to say himself. dastardly. <laughs> dastardly. I like it. His ability to market himself, keep himself in the headlines, uh, is 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 pretty darn good. And the fact that there was lots of speculation for months about what his future was going to be for 2015. What if Alonzo purposefully is doing this help and keeping him out of the car to keep him in the limelight? He's like, oh boy, this McLaren isn't starting off like a rocket ship like I wanted. How do I keep the buzz going? Now, if Alonzo was, you know, part of an ad agency that just happened to drive Formula One cars, that'd be way more believable. But I don't know. Maybe he's got, maybe he's got uh, someone that's in the business that's helping him out and says, Alonzo, this is a thing. So maybe well, this still, is... Well, he still pals with Flavio Briatore, right? So, well, there you know, you if go. anyone knows how to keep their name in the media, it's that guy. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So I, that's just a fun... Uh, my own slice of speculation that I'm going to add, but I have to say, okay, my, I'm personally still very upbeat about McLaren Honda and what Honda as an engine builder is going to be capable of doing between now and the end of 2015. I think that they can still make huge strides, figure it out, sort out reliability. And it's going to be a car that, much like last year, improves at a steady pace as the season goes on, and the McLaren could become more and more and more of a threat. Yeah, well, I hope so as well. I mean, it's always good to have um, more manufacturer involvement, and I'm hoping that this year's McLaren-Honda partnership goes well, and then Honda may even supply other teams, and we can have more competitive teams, and you know, more good things can happen. So I'm definitely, uh, I want to stay positive about it as well. Um, and, And of course, none of this, this is all testing. We don't know um, you know, we, I guess we do know when there's a reliability problem if cars aren't running laps, but otherwise you can get a general sense for who's fast and Mercedes seems fast. And like Jamie says, you know, Ferrari seems close and Lotus with Mercedes power now seems close and Williams, there's no reason to doubt that they'll be right there. Um, and Red Bull also doesn't seem that far off. Um, but, you know, none of this really matters uh, until you get to a race. And then even that, you know, there's the flyaway races. And once you get back to Europe, you'll get some updates and things like that. So, you know, it's it, it it's not it's way too early to say, oh, you know, McLaren is doomed for the rest of the season. You know, have you, you know, have we had the best race of the season yet? I don't know. I know you're uh, always looking forward to that. So, uh, just, <laughs> you know. we, yes, we've had the, this, this preseason testing was yeah. definitely the best race well, of the, the season. Best <laughs> on track no excursion. Of, no. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's way too easy to draw any conclusions. It's just, uh, you know, Ooh. Oh, well then let's do that. Let's draw some conclusions. It is not time for predictions yet, sir. Oh, uh, well, I, I'm going to take it back uh, one step further and again applaud Honda for just being there because what we had, every single engine came from Europe. Mercedes, Ferrari, Renault. And even, you know, when we had them, Cosworth. So the fact that we've now got Asia, we've got Japan building engines, gives Formula One more of a world uh, stage uh, and world legitimacy. The one thing that Formula One really needs now, and this is a declaration, we need an American engine builder. I say to you, Ford Motor Company, take that EcoBoost brand that's been successful in racing here in the United States with Tudor Racing and take it that next level. We should have Ford powering Formula One cars. 
I want more engines. I want different choices. And at least for a season, I want Honda to feel a little better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because it's not easy. But it's 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 truly the world stage. And, you know, Lotus Ford, that's got a nice ring to it. It's Lo- been done. <laughs> yeah. This is true. This is true. I just, I wanted to say, I just wanted to have my piece on that because we're going to have an American racing team. This one is going at a much more reasonable pace, much more professional. This one has... Seems a lot more like a real thing. Yeah. This is going to happen and it's going to be good. And the technical partnership with Ferrari and all the other, uh, all the other bits. So let's continue to develop... Um, Americans' involvement with uh, Formula One and really make it a truly uh, world sport and get involved. And uh, to that same end, uh, some of the comments we've been getting, Jim, I'm not sure you're aware of this, um, our, uh, our YouTube video of going around the Port Imperial street circuit was getting some more attention again. And people are like, wait, why are we doing this? Yes, we should do this. Let's not let's not yeah, rule it out. It's been a long time since we had uh since we talked about that. But yeah, of course that was was it originally scheduled to like to run in twenty thirteen? And then it was pushed to twenty fourteen. And right. then we just haven't heard anything and then every once in a while you see Bernie Eggleston saying, Oh well of course it's gonna happen and then it never happens. So <laughs> that's kind of where, where that is. But yeah, I mean that that uh, I, I, I nowhere officially has it said it's not happening, but it's never on the calendar, so I think it's safe to say that's not. It a has thing. not yet happened. Um, we can say that, right? It's definitely unless they snuck it in there and no and one noticed. After after uh, New Jersey was announced, Russia was announced. We we, we we've raced it in Russia, right? So yeah, it it can happen. It should happen, and uh, I want more American involvement. I want. Uh, this goes back to what we were talking about uh, last podcast with uh, just uh, the the world feed coming in. It's like, look, this is this is truly a world event now, and uh, the United States is a big part of the world. Have it come here. You're in Asia, plenty. Let's just bring a little bit to the states. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, there's obviously been talks of uh, you know Long Beach, uh, you know, switching from being an IndyCar thing to being Formula One and. Other various things. We will have Mexico's on the calendar, right. and they've been messing with the track down there, getting that going. That's not the U.S., but it's close. Quick history on Long Beach. Long Beach first was a Formula 5000 event, which was like a high-end Formula car, but not Formula 1. Then it was Formula 1. Then it was IndyCar. So, and then it be, remained IndyCar for a long time. But that the original idea for Long Beach was Formula 1. Right. So it's not though now. So we could, you know. Anyway, that's been talked about. There's a lot of things that have been uh, that have been talked about there, yes. but not for a while though. And you know, with we haven't really uh, haven't heard much from Bernie Ecclestone. I mean, he's had um, all the you know the bribery cases and things coming and going, and he's sort of I guess kept a relatively low profile in the off season. He hasn't made any wild, crazy declarations. Um, you know, the FIA has come out with a few things like, you know, your, the drivers are no longer able to change their helmet design mid-season, which is probably a good thing for people actually watching on TV and I, watching what, in the stands. What was the point of that? I mean, honestly, who cares what the helmet... I, I personally, I thought that was nonsense. Really? The the numbers thing, okay, let's give drivers their own number so that they can keep. I was like, okay, fine. I kind of liked uh, the... The clarity of Formula One is like this team's one two, this team's three four, this time team's five six. But okay, that's fine. You have a number, you associate with that number. But it was fun that Vettel had a theme for the race when his helmet it was a nice little. 
it was a nice little way of getting a little personality into the sport. And now you're taking that away. I think, well, no, I think, I think it's the other way around. Like, like if, if every race or every other race you have a specialty helmet, then none of them are really that special because from the TV or from the stand, certainly, you know, you don't, you can't, you know, make out all the intricate details of a helmet. So having these iconic helmets from, you know, obviously like Senna has come to mind with the colors of the Brazilian flag and the, you know, the stripes and whatever, you know, James Hunt helmets and all these different ones that we sort of recognize from, from older eras, um, that is the personality because you can see you can see the car, you can see what color it is, and you know maybe what numbers on it. But even you know the color and the rough uh, you know sponsors and stuff on it, um, and then you can see the helmet inside the car and say, oh yeah, that's my guy or that's the other guy. Like you, you can identify who it is driving from a distance or from a quick glance on TV or whatever. But you can do that from the number now, and the helmet. You can se- see the helmet color from a lot farther away than read the number. The helmet seemed to be the like last bastion of area where. It was the driver giving his own personal opinions on his personality they wanted to get out as opposed to um, this is now, you know, my helmet is now the color of Dole orange juice because Dole well, orange juice is the best orange juice well, with fresh oranges. To be clear, you can still have whatever personalized helmet you want. You just can't change it all the time. That's the whole thing. That's what, that's all the rule is. So, like, they're still going to have customized stuff with their cool own logos and designs and sayings and all of their own whatever the driver wants to have on it. He just won't change it all the time. I don't think that's unreasonable. Ah, uh, unreasonable. No, honestly, why have it? You, listen, you can, if you want, discourage drivers from changing all the time, but why have a rule? Like, discouraging so- doesn't mean anything if it's... Just a discouragement. What does that mean? Like, if a driver wants to change it, why? You know, oh, well, you're discouraged. Okay. It, so it's like if it's either a rule or it's not. Okay, but it, here's here's how I relate it. It's like moving into a condominium uh, sub sublet that has hundred rules about what flags are and are not allowed to be hung on your building. What co- what color your house could be painted? What flowers are approved? You know, when and where cars can be parked and things like that. I mean, condos are condos are the worst thing in the world. They are. <laughs> they are where terrible Where are you going things. with this? No, my point is, is what I dislike about them so much is they have hundreds of little bylaws of like, we want you to look and act a certain way. We want a, we want a specific feel. And it doesn't matter what your own personality is. This is the look of the place. You just want to mow your lawn naked, don't you? Well, no, but I wouldn't mind mowing my lawn with a helmet that I change every once in a while. It's like, check it out. <laughs> <laughs> it's, my, it's my it's my new April Saturday helmet. It's different colors. Oh, geez. Okay. Well, um, <laughs> now that we've made that point clear. I mean, do you, do, you, do you not see my point at all? The larger point of we have rules for absolutely everything and now for helmets too? I think it makes sense. I think it, it makes F1 accessible because you can identify, you know, drivers more easily. And then, and you know, I, I think if and I think even Vettel, who was uh, a big fan of having specialty helmets, or at least yes. his people were, yes, he has said he may even ignore the ban. It's like, oh, you pay a $1,000 fine. Okay, whatever. I'll pay the fine. I'll have a special helmet if he really wants to. But sometimes there would be these... Uh, uh, you know, especially for Monaco, it's like, oh, it's a diamond encrusted helmet, and now it's this very special thing. And can you believe that this amazing helmet is being worn by this driver in this race? It's like that doesn't make the race more exciting for me. It's like, oh, look at this pass. Oh, but the best part of that pass is that his helmet had diamonds in it. It's like, okay, whatever, great. It's just some, you know, maybe it'll be auctioned off or something after the fact. But- well, listen, do you do you or do you not want your passes to be sparkly? <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> 
I, I am a fan of consistency, so I'm okay with the helmet. Keep them, keep them the same. Keep I'm it, a fan keep of consistency as well, as long as the consistency is made out of someone's own fruition, that they're not forced into the consistency. That alone gives a sense of where the driver's personality. The driver's like, these are my colors. This is my thing. This is me. I'm not going to change it. Great. Or you have drivers say, oh, for this event, I have this mood or this feeling or this thing I want to promote or say something about. I don't know. I don't I don't see why there can't be a difference between the two. You're just in the pocket of big helmet, man. They just they want to make all the money making new helmet designs for every single race. And yeah. You're just a shill. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm like refraining from using, you know, Soviet Russia references. Of, <laughs> like, this is the Gestapo. Not you're not. <laughs> this is the Gestapo wanting to like tell you everything you can, can and can't do. Wow. <laughs> How did we go down this? <laughs> So Renault was talking about returning to the sport as a full <laughs> constructor, and I thought it was a little bit weird because, of course, the Lotus team was, you know, is essentially the old uh, Renault factory team. And now that they've switched away from Renault Power, it was a little bit not, you know, not a conflict of interest or whatever, but just a little bit like, oh, these are all Renault guys, and now they're running Mercedes Power, so it's sort of come full circle, and they're now no longer attached to Renault at all. Well, yeah, they became Lotus, which was already a departure because Lotus, correct me if I'm wrong, never used Renault engines, so like in their road cars, so that was. Or in Formula One racing, no, like the that, so that was a departure. But but it, but also it had nothing to do with Lotus Road Cars. That was just a deal to use the name. So the, it was really the Renault team just calling themselves Lotus and using the classic Lotus, you know, JPS colors. You're absolutely right. But then okay, you have a Lotus that is all of a sudden using a Mercedes engine and jumping up the grid in terms of testing. I mean, the car is much better. Right. Although we'll see how the Renaults shape out. I mean, if you know Red Bull now is super, you know, super, you know, if the Renaults actually turn out to be really good. I mean, all the uh, as Jamie said, all the uh, signs point to Mercedes still continuing to be very strong. But, um, you know, that's it's all sort of theoretical until we get some races. But either way, now this could be interesting if uh, Renault then uh, returns as a proper constructor. Because as you mentioned before about, you know, having, uh, you know, Japan basically back in the fold as a, as a company providing uh, – uh, as a country with a company in it providing engines to the grid, um, France um, has such a historic uh, connection with motor racing. I mean, the first Grand Prix ever, the word Grand Prix is French. Like, well, FIA and, is, it's a right, French thing. And, and, you know, it's like, so for them to, there's no, you know, French Grand Prix has been gone for a number of years now. Yes. Um, and, you know, we've, well, because well, Paul Ricard, well, I mean, they don't even test there anymore officially. I don't think so. Uh, not officially anyway. Because Paul uh, Ricard, was that, was it Paul Ricard or Magni Cour? It was Manny Core most recently. Right. Was it ever Paul Ricard? Uh, yeah, historically, I think. Yeah, so, yeah. okay, okay. Um, and and then, of course, you know, Michelin being one of the biggest uh, tire companies in the world, you know, no longer involved in Formula One. So um, bringing, bringing all that back, um, you know, could be interesting, having a proper French team, uh, you know, back in the, in the fold. And, yeah, and actually Romain Grosjean, the sole French driver as well. Right. Yeah. So anyway, it's it, it, that would be another uh, another good step um, for the internationality of things. Um, obviously, it's still you know part of Europe, but you know France is sort of special in terms of uh, motor racing in general and uh, and you well, know yeah, Grand Prix racing specifically. They're a keystone in the Europe uh, Europe continent in terms of well, I mean for a lot of reasons, <clears throat> France and Germany are the two economic powers of the Europe continent, and then United Kingdom kind of likes to keep them keep to themselves. But it's those three countries. UK, France, and uh, Germany that are uh, the dominant players economically and uh, historically um, France and uh, France and the UK and Germany as well, right? So 
uh, I guess what I'm basically doing is reiterating what you just said. Yes, I agree with you. Um, it's a keystone of Europe, without which Spain would just crash right into Italy. Right. Exactly. You know? And that, nobody wants that. No, it, it, I don't think that would be favorable. So, completely agree with you. And um, what would Renault do? Would they build yet a new car in Lotus, or would they buy Lotus back? I mean, that that starts to get weird. Um, I mean, I guess no weirder than having two teams, both called Lotus, neither of which having to do with the Lotus car company and neither nothing to do with each other. So weird things have happened. Yeah. Or having a, a you know, what, BMW Sauber Ferrari on the grid. Which, right, <laughs> which, you know, ended up being Caterham, which is a kit car. I mean, brilliant kit car. But, yeah, that was a very bizarre situation. Right. But it's interesting how quickly Renault keeps changing from one thing to another to another. But even, I mean, Renault themselves, they have a great history. Right. You know, with Fernando Alonso and uh, farther back, um, Benetton, which is my, and before that, and I, oh, see, now I'm I'm testing my history there. I don't know who drove um, to great success for Renault in the 70s and 80s. Um, but then there was also, of course, the Williams Renault. They have a lot of history. Right. So they should do it, that. It would be cool if it was a, a new, you know, a new car, um, or even if I don't know if uh, you know STR uh, would be you know spun off into Renault, or uh, there's you know a couple of ways you could imagine it happening. Uh, maybe Manor, you know, becomes sort of tied up with that, you know, because uh, with Haas F1 starting next year and having a connection with Ferrari, then maybe uh, you know Manor Ferrari ah, won't want to continue, and that's maybe maybe point. you know Manor those people could get rolled in. I mean, there's there's a lot of ways it could happen, but the fact that. Um, you know, again, this is just, you know, more rather than less being generally good, you know, that the companies are looking at this and uh, talking about it and so on. Um, you know, this is like now th- as of this year, you know, Renault, the team is sort of has, you know, nothing really to do with the old Renault team now. Um, so they're like, well, hey, we, we kind of want that. Maybe we want a Formula One team. Um, and of course, they could have, you know, Renault as a company has been tied up with, you know, Nissan and Infinity, hence the Infinity, you know, branding on the Red Bull well, and all that. Renault but th- and Nissan be... are, are one company. Yeah. They're so, co-owned. So this could be, um, you know, even a Nissan Formula One team. You know, who knows, right? You know, Nissan's feeling an LMP1 car. That's four-wheel drive. But, well, I, you know. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, Nissan is going more, um, I'm air quoting here, outside the box thinking when it comes to racing. Right. And... I don't, I, I don't know if the Nissan brand would fit in Formula One, but the Renault brand certainly fits. Well, I mean, they've already got Infinity with the Red Bull with the whatever. So if they, you know, there, there's right, ways it could that, happen. I mean, that's loosely it tied. Could be Dacia. I don't uh, know. Yeah. <laughs> okay, call um, it a Datsun. So uh, Jamie uh, boldly and uh, rather uh, brilliantly gave us a lot of predictions. He thinks he truly thinks we're going to see a lot of different race winners this year. I hope he's right. That would be absolutely fantastic. Um, but I mean, a quick breakdown of the last, the latest test from Barcelona, it was Mercedes on top, Williams second, Ferrari after that, Sauber still looking reasonably strong and Toro Rosso ahead of Red Bull. But again, it's testing. So, you know, also I think Jamie's going to be disappointed when he sees that the Red Bull testing livery is not the Red Bull racing livery. They're going back to a standard looking livery. Jamie's right. That was, I mean, in another in more marketing news that was a brilliant piece of marketing it's like okay the car clearly is not good but it's still got a lot of attention well i thought it turned out okay actually as a car but well i mean um, look at look at the latest test results red bull were um 12th and 17th in the last test man whatever ricardo is just going to drive the heck out of that car it's going to be fine of course he is but i mean look at this williams won two I'm sorry, Mercedes 1-2, Williams 3-4, Ferrari 5-6. That was consistent. And then it gets a little spotty. Toro Rosso, then Lotus, then Sauber, then Toro Rosso, Toro Rosso again, 
then Red Bull. To me, that's that's at least a little telling. I think it'll be fine. <laughs> it's, it's just testing. Like you know, I, I, we're we're hopeful Ricardo, you know, gets gets rightfully on the podium this time without any controversy over a fuel flow sensor and gets to gets to keep that Australian, you know, either victory or whatever. Like I think it'll be. I think I think you're you you know stirring up a tempest in a teapot over there, sir. Well, I, listen, I have a big teapot. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> yeah, I just. I, I listen you have to look at testing with a grain of salt correct but don't completely discount it it's worth noting i mean it was funny to me you know there was a story in autosport that said williams amazed by the gap of mercedes but if you look at williams best times and mercedes best times they're on top of each other so i don't know what williams was talking about well, they they know not to look too much into the times, but also look at what tires those were set on and what time of day and how many laps were run and all that. And it's not as simple as the times. And that's basically what it comes down to. I think the Mercedes times were on softs and everyone else's fastest times were on super softs. And that's how close they are. And you kind of extrapolate out from there and figure out what the gap must be and all that. Yeah. So, yeah. No, that's, that's a fair point. I I had more time to dig into Jerez stuff than I did Barcelona. And uh, I'm just looking at lap times. But, you know. Ignorance is bliss, and I'm quite blissful here. And it looks like if you want Mercedes to do well again, they're gonna. But, but honey badger don't care. <laughs> so you know, I think but, no. But seriously, to me, I, what I notice is uh, I agree with Jamie that I think Ferrari has a real chance. I think Kimi Raikkonen, thank goodness, is uh, much more comfortable in this car and performing well again. And I think that uh, Williams, I think Williams could get a win this year. I agree with Jamie Bryce in that, on that one specifically. Right. So we're talking predictions, uh, and that brings us to a very important point, Ooh. which is the predictions game. The Fun With Cars Facebook predictions game is now open for 2015. Oh. So thank you, as always, to the efforts of the incomparable prediction stud, Neil Popham. Who I has... tried to comp him. Can't. He's incomparable. Right. Well, good, because... That's how it is. Um, he can't, has put together all the new stuff for the 2015 season and is uh, keeping up to date with, um, you know, Magnuson and Alonso and all the the last minute changes and even adding Manor to the to the list and all that. Uh, I mean, it's, it's so good. So, thank you, Mister Stud. So helpful. Just, it's so incredibly helpful. Um, so to take part in that, and you should do so because, of course, you have up until Friday practice starts, um, right? Ooh. Is it Friday practice or qualifying? I should know this. Uh, it, yeah, it's – well, it's before qualifying. Okay. So um, either way, get your prediction in. Um, and as you may recall, um, if, if you've done this before or if you haven't, if you're new to this, I'll explain how, how it works briefly. So you go to our Facebook page, uh, which you can find by typing Fun With Cars on Facebook or go directly to facebook.com slash fwcars. And there is a tab right across the top. There's timeline, about, and predictions. So you want to go ahead and click on the predictions tab, and then you choose who you think will be on pole for the next race and who you think will win the race. And this is like golf where lower scores are better, and the score is how many points away from your prediction uh, was, you know, if you you thought the guy was going to be on pole and it turns out he was second, uh, that's one point because you're one place away from what actually happened. Same thing for pole and for the race. Formula one, just like golf. As of last year, uh, we made it a uh, the, where the, your prediction will stick in the system unless you go and change it. So if you think that Fernando Alonso is going to win every race, you're probably wrong about the first one at least. But whoever you think is going to win, put him in there. And if, even if you don't go back and change it from one race to the next, it's going to keep that same drive pair, driver uh, who you thought for pole and who you thought for the win uh, in for one race after the next. 
um, but you always have the option to go in and change it before an event. So if you want to want to get tricky about it and think who's particularly good at different circuits and what cars suit what things well and, and how it all uh, plays out, then uh, by all means, it's very fun to go in there and before the race weekend, uh, update your predictions and um, see who, uh, you know, how, basically how your predictions stack up over the course of the year. Now, we also have a simple uh, heuristic model in there as well, which we have named Damien, uh, which is uh, basically predicting whoever won the, whoever was on pole last time will be on pole again this next time. And whoever won the last race will win the next race. Just a very simple kind of a baseline to see if, Robin, yours or my predictions, and then all of those playing along at home, um, if we're any better than a very simple statistical spreadsheet um, by using human intelligence and intellect, yeah, or it's if just a, a spreadsheet is better off. We can't, uh, my friend who is an expert, expert stati- statistician said, we can't call it a statistic statistic model. It is a heuristic model. But yes, what you're saying otherwise is absolutely true. And it is, I do believe that Two years ago, I beat it handily because I I won. Last year, you beat it, but I did not. Right. So it's reasonably good. I mean, it was first designed right as Sebastian Vettel was getting into his streak of success. Right. So a lot of Vettel Vettels were were very accurate predictions for a long time. It did quite well, that heuristic model. But... Um, th- this past year, even with even with Mercedes dominance, it struggled because we couldn't predict what was going to happen between Rosberg and Hamilton, and one or the other had enough failings right. that it it was tough going. I mean, obviously, everyone who put Hamilton in the preseason looking very strong and you know qualified well, and then had twenty te- twenty second place in the in, in Australia for his spark plug insulator failure. And of course, you know these famous uh, you know Hamilton on pole was a pretty safe bet. Unless it wasn't because his car caught on fire and he was all 22nd again. So or he was, crashed or this yeah, happened or that. Or break, he spun. Right. Or brake yes. failures. All kinds of weird stuff. So anyway. Or Rosberg deliberately blocked him or whatever. So it looks like we've got 11 people so far have predicted. And thank you to those folks. But let's get it. Let's get like 10 times that. Let's get more than that. So if you're listening to this now, uh, anytime, um, you know, if you're, if you're doing it right now, you can. I think you can even do this right from your phone. Um, if you go to Facebook, go to a Fun With Cars Facebook page, click on predictions there, and you can enter predictions. And, uh, and get yourself started on this season. And even if you miss it for the first race, you can still go in there, and, and there's, there's plenty of time to, uh, to make that up um, over the course of the season. But certainly for your best chances of uh, scoring a few points and doing well on this, uh, it's very fun to keep track of. Uh, definitely go and check that out. And uh, thank you again, as always, to Neil Popham for putting together this app for us and, uh, and keeping it up to date when uh, that's not always an easy thing, where for a long time last year we had no driver changes and all that, and it kind of got weird at the end with Will Stevens showing up and teams coming and going and all that. And uh, and now this you know off season has uh, has kept him busy as well. So so with all that, I'm I'm willing and ready to predict right now. Yeah, let's do that. There's this make your prediction button, and I have clicked it, and I am now presented with a list of all the drivers and all the teams. And uh, there's there's new names on here. There's Marcus Erickson. There's Felipe Nasser. There's Carlos Sainz Jr. There's uh, oh man. We got Max Verstappen. There's Max Verstappen. There you go. Yeah, everybody's in there. Um, boy, it says Ferrari next to Sebastian Vettel. What is going on? This uh, is this yeah. is crazy. Sounds. Wow, wow. No, it's it's fun to look at, and this is the hardest one to predict, but also the most fun, right? And it is very tempting to just go and look at it and say, well, it's going to be one of the two Mercedes. Well, Damien, the the heuristic model, says that Rosberg will be on pole and that Hamilton will win because Because. that's what happened last time. (laughs) Which is, you know, not the worst prediction you could come up with. 
but that's not fun. And that's what it is to be human. To be human is to not be heuristic. <laughs> and uh, I think in that sense, I will go first. I will do this. All I'm right. going to do this. And I've been talking so highly of them that I want to make it happen. Ooh, but I, there's two things. There's two different things. Actually, looking at the list now, the Manor team is not on there yet. And maybe it's just not worth updating. Because first of all, who's going to predict Manor for a, a poll or a right. win? But also, um, if uh, we don't even know who the second driver is yet. So... Um, maybe maybe that'll be uh, updated by the time of the race. But either way, that's not uh, of crucial importance. All the stuff at the top um, is looking okay. My and, prediction uh, has been made. Oh. I did have Mercedes on pole and Mercedes to win the race. But not the chassis, just the engine. Okay. I'm going with Williams. I've been a Williams fanboy for a while, especially last year, and now it's time to put my money where my mouth is and some other cliche. So I'm saying that Felipe Massa will be on pole and that Valtteri Botas will win the race. And I have to tell you, it was tough because I was I was also very tempted to go Kimi Raikkonen. Yeah. What about Vettel, though, man? Vettel in the Ferrari, that... Kimi Raikkonen... Kimi Raikkonen's... Vettel in the Ferrari makes more hay because he's German and the last German in a Ferrari and on and on, right? But Raikkonen's been performing very well in that car during preseason testing and been faster between the two, uh, between Vettel and Raikkonen in preseason testing. And it's, you know, you could argue about weather conditions and tire management and on and on. Ah, weather but, conditions and tire management. And on and on. I disagree. <laughs> but I I don't know. I think Raikkonen could be good. Which is why you predict Williams. <laughs> I I feel still that Williams has Williams has a uh, a low drag approach to the Formula One season, and they have what is known as the best engine in the group right now. And so I don't know practicality gotten the gotten the face of emotion and won me over well cool so that's that prediction is in there my prediction is actually in the system now as well oh i'm gonna refresh yeah and you will see lewis hamilton it's, <laughs> it's not the most exciting bold prediction in the world but this is true it's what i think is going to happen and that that is lewis hamilton will not have a repeat of a spark plug insulator failure that they will have addressed that by now and that he will take pole position, and he will go on to win the race. Um, for bonus points, I I, I do uh, I, I really want to see Ricardo do well, um, and I think uh, Vettel in the Ferrari actually. So that's my podium um, is uh, is uh, Hamilton, Ricardo, Vettel. I don't know what's going to happen to Rosberg and whatever. I don't really care. But um, Rosberg is going to win all the polls and make sure everyone knows about it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I genuinely I hope Rosberg does I hope Rosberg does really well, and. Uh, you know, if if there's another title fight between Hamilton and Rosberg again, I won't complain, certainly. Sure. Um, now, Jamie Price, uh, boldly and beautifully with the race cars in the background, predicted that Sebastian Vettel would be world champion this year. I want us to stake our claims and, and say who's going to be world champion. And I will I'll, I'll add this, Mr. Prediction Stud, if you would like. To add who's going to be world champion this year to the predictions game. And we can have it in writing, air quotes again, of who we said would be world champion. I'm not opposed to that. 
because that's another thing. And you know, only can do it at the beginning of the season. Yeah, because we have to set a deadline for that. Otherwise, it's... Yeah, you the know. deadline is going to be for the first race, but the same time for your predictions of Australia, who's going to be the world champion. Well, that's not giving him much time to do that. But either way... Well, no, it's optional. He, did, he, he has done <laughs> so much for us. I am not trying to say... That's great. Do more work. My God, no. I'm just saying if he's interested, if he wants, he can. That's like a whole other section to the thing. I don't know. That sounds like work. But either way, um, so Option you work. on board with the Vettel thing? You think a no. J- Jensen's going to make it happen? No. What are you? <laughs> <laughs> I do think, I will say that I think McLaren-Honda as a pairing will become world champions in the next five years or less. Or maybe in the last 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> I I, well, I feel very strongly about, but you'd have to say twenty five years. Yeah, that's right. Uh, no, so I don't know. I don't know who it's going to be, but I'm going to I'm going to agree with Jamie Price about Ferrari because why not? I think it's going to be Ferrari, but Kimi Raikkonen, Kimi Raikkonen, Kimi Raikkonen, back world champion will be a double world champion. Both of his world championships for Ferrari and. I think after he becomes world champion again, Ferrari will then kick him out again somehow, but then pay him lots and lots and lots of money, and he'll buy yet another yacht, and that yacht this will is a be very specific prediction, freshly supplied with much more Coke and much more ice cream. Coca Cola, we're talking about now. Coca Cola. Okay. Okay. Uh, so wow. So you think Raikkonen for world champion? What Why about not? constructors champion? Do you think the Ferrari is going to hang on to that? Or are you thinking the Mercedes uh, reliability or Williams? Yeah. I mean, I, I got to have some thread of practicality in this, don't I? Yeah. So the Mercedes factory team will be constructors champions, but Ferrari and a uh, uh, Ferrari Hamilton and Rosberg will completely implode each other for the driver's world championship. And that's how Raikkonen is going to sneak in there. He'll do it the same way he did it in 2007, which is right in the last race of the year. He lets other people fumble capitalizes. Just by getting more points than everyone else. That's a good that's, way. That's a good that's approach. That's usually how drivers do it. So, Nico Rosberg. Really? That's, in many ways, more bold than mine. Because people are going to have I a think, hard time believing I that think, Rosberg out, uh, out uh, I don't know, intimidates Hamilton. But it's not about intimidation. I think he's 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 got pushed harder in 2014 than he ever had before. He's learned from that. He's not a slow driver, obviously. Um, I mean, none of these guys really are. But uh, <laughs> I think it's, I think he's going to make it work. I think he's he's going to get clever with it. And uh, and oh, he didn't get clever with it in no, 2014. He wasn't clever with it. Oh, so now he's going to, and that's going to work for him. <laughs> Was that his like big like off season training? It's well, like, he's not how to get gonna, clever with it. He's not going to reveal that. I mean, that's like a secret. Well, I mean, that'd this be is, that, this is, this is that a big wouldn't scoop be clever to, to reveal that exactly. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> probably last (laughs) hey come on well we'll see right it's the whole thing that's 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 like 10 months from now and that's all when we'll know what's the god wow yeah you're right that is a long ways away isn't it that is not right now and this will this may sound hilarious in 10 months or maybe it'll be like wow well nico rusberg got clever and now he's winning the championship so jim is brilliant either way it sounds hilarious whenever i talk i mean come on i'm not (laughs) fair enough i'm not serious i think people know that except was that serious? What that, I just that, said that got a little serious for a yeah, second that, there. That was heartfelt. Just kind of let that one land and just yeah. Well, give give a give a moment for a dramatic pause. Let the tears flow. There's okay, no, go there's, on. There's no, there's no tears though. 
Um, so I have made my prediction. Uh, I hope that you will too, all listeners out there, because it's a lot of fun when there's a lot of people playing. And I think we had like 150 folks going with predictions last year mid-season. So uh, that's always that's always good to keep track of uh, what's going on. And of course, all of us had occasional uh, little wins and occasionally got hosed by a terrible, you know, yeah. uh, circumstances and crashes and unexpected qualifyings and all kinds of various things. And that's all just part of the fun is uh, is following along with that. So. Um, no giant cash prizes, although you get the recognition and you get to hear us mispronounce your name if uh, if you're in the top few spots. So what's what's better than that? Yeah, I, and the mispronunciation will be via me. I'm not good at that. <laughs> you're excellent at that. And I, I want to. I just want to say once again, uh, Jamie, the your your uh, insights from Barcelona and to hear those cars coming by and uh, your thoughts. Oh, that was so great. Thank you so much. That was so very cool. I'm excited to um hear from jamie more often i don't know his schedule exactly but he signed up for a bunch of the events he's going to be traveling the world again this year and uh, it's going to be great right so uh thank you as always for listening i think it's time we wrap it up and uh when we are just looking forward to the formula one season starting as much as everyone else and uh can't wait to talk to you again soon in just about a week's time can you believe that just a week man <laughs> we'll have we'll have race results to talk about we'll know where things stand we'll have more than just arguably useless testing to talk about and uh you know useless it's arguably we will argue now. i argued it that was arguable <laughs> uh, let's argue and we've argued it not useless that's 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 overstating it there but you go there we you have, go we'll that's have some I actual have. qualifying and some results and and someone will have won the race probably and uh we'll figure it out from there so unless everyone boycotts it because of this whole alonzo thing but that's a whole other deal what? anyway wait what i know there was a threat to boycott the race oh, because of the long, uh, yeah the internet is a crazy place when marketing that is marketing when genius when there's no race to actually talk about this is what happens and you know the twitter, uh, well, twitter nets and stuff yes exactly and that if those darn helmets wouldn't keep changing colors <laughs> <laughs> get off my lawn <laughs> well that's what it sounds like to me all right so i'm old and i want things to stay the same as always you can find the show notes for this week's episode at funwithcars.com slash 173 and uh you from our website there you can also leave comments and uh re- reply to us you can see uh the links to our facebook and twitter pages and all that kind of fun stuff and you can subscribe to us from there as well thanks as always for listening i am jim lau and i am robin warner letting you guys know the preseason is over <laughs>